So Rex decided that doing the wedding for his son was more important than coming to church with us today. So uh, he's gone. I'm here. He asked me not to say anything about being junior varsity, so I won't. Uh, but if you're, if this is your first day with us, we actually have another preacher that is our full-time preacher. I just kind of fill in for him. So um, I usually make sure that people know not to judge the church's Sunday morning service on my sermon because he does it every most almost every Sunday. So uh, if you don't like today, it's okay because I don't preach that often. So give him a chance next week. Okay, fair enough. So I have a question for you. Who is your favorite? Who is your favorite Christmas movie character? How many say the Grinch? Be proud. See, a lot of people are going to say buddy because we're in church and I'm talking about joy. So some are going to give the Sunday school answer this morning, but I want you to be honest. Okay? How many, how many like the Grinch the best? How many like Scrooge? How many like Buddy? How many when you watch Elf want to punch Buddy? <laughs> yeah, see, we got some honest people out here. I like it. First service was, they were either asleep or they didn't want to be honest today. So they were just kind of, no, no one wanted to punch Buddy, but I got, actually got a couple today in second service. So I'm glad for that. <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's fun to watch those shows. And, and if you're a, if you're a Hallmark, Christmas movie person? I, I don't know any of those. That's why there's no Hallmark Christmas movie characters up there. Uh, but when you when you think about our Christmas season and what we've what what our world has kind of done with Christmas, and I'm not I, I'm not being down on our world and what we've done with Christmas because if you think about all of these three movies, if you've ha, everybody's seen all three of these movies, either Christmas have seen a Christmas Carol, The Grinch, and in Elf. If you think about those three movies, they all basically have the same theme. They just do it in different ways, right? You go through the same scenario through the movie to get to the end, and at the end, everyone is joyful. Even Scrooge is joyful, and even the Grinch has a heart. Do we find out that the Grinch has a heart? And finally, Buddy's dad, Walter, actually accepts him and is nice and kind. And so it's, it's all the same. They, they all get to the same place. They just kind of take a different journey. How many of you know that, that there's a difference in happiness and joy? And I, I was going through some things for this, for this service, and, and I, 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 kept seeing, I kept seeing things that said, choose joy. I choose joy. I'm going to choose joy. And, and I, I'm not exactly sure that I'm comfortable with that. We're going to talk about why. I'm not as comfortable with that. But a lot of times we feel like I have to be happy to have joy, right? The preacher's going to preach on joy, so I, I got to be happy. I better put a smile on my face. I better act like Buddy. I better have some fun today because the, the preacher's going to preach on joy. I want you to do something. How many of you got a bulletin? Hopefully most of you got a bulletin today. I asked Jen, and she's fantastic, so I asked Jen to put a plain piece of, ha a half sheet of plain paper in the bulletin. So if you actually got a bulletin, I want you to take it out and I want you to take a pen out. If you don't have one, raise your hand because this is actually a pretty important part of the message today. So if you don't have a piece of paper, Paul will bring one around to you. How many of you have enjoyed 2020? 
You can put your hand back up if you want a piece of paper. No, nobody was raising their hand because they enjoyed 2020, right? <laughs> I think Paul and Katie were the only two that raised their hand in, in first service because they got married this year. But for the most of us, 2020 has been kind of a tough year, hasn't it? So what I want you to do on your paper, and when I tell you this, you're not going to believe me, but I mean it. I really want you to do this. I want you to use that piece of paper. On one side of that piece of paper, I want you to use that sheet of paper on one side to write everything that has been bad for you in 2020. All right? If you have to write really small, if you have to write around the corners of the edges, I want you to write, I want you to write down everything that has been bad for you, everything that's made your life not so good in 2020. I want you to write it down on this paper. I want you to be able to do this all the way through the service, okay? So as you're sitting there and I'm preaching, others may come to your mind. Please feel free to get your paper out and write it down on there, okay? We're going to deal with it in a little bit, but I want you to, I want you to actually do, I want you to actually participate in this exercise and you'll find out later why. Um, but there's been a lot here in 2020 that has been a struggle. We've had, we, we've had election problems. We have uh, a virus no one understands. I, I was talking with somebody today. I'm not even sure the person that created coronavirus understands coronavirus. So um, you get different information all the time. So we've had confusion by that. We've had death from that. We've had sickness from that. We've had quarantine from that. We've had riots in big cities. We've had We've had entire blocks of big cities shut down so people can live their own way and not have to have rules and all this. So it's been a crazy year 2020 has. And all of us have experienced some struggles in 2020. So you may have two or three things on your paper. You may not really be able to find room to write all of them on there. But I want you to take the time to write them, write them all down. Because we're going to talk about joy today. You'll notice that I have a tie on and generally I don't wear ties very much anymore but my kids when I was preaching when I was in the in the ministry I used to get a new Christmas tie every Christmas and I would wear it so so one year this was my Christmas tie and it actually says joy on it so I thought it was cool that I'm preaching on joy I figured I would wear my joy tie today the other cool part about it is it actually plays joy to the world I don't know if you can hear that or not see so if I if I uh if I lose my joy I can just have some joy. I just, push, I just push the joy button and I'm good, right? Sometimes that's the way we feel about happiness and about joy, isn't it? And sometimes we get that feeling from other people. How many of you have been in the middle of a struggle and talked with someone and they gave you some sort of advice about being happy, right? That, that'll, that'll make you better. Choose joy, you'll feel better, right? Bobby McFerrin don't worry, be happy, right? And so all of the, we have this way of minimizing and thinking that, oh, I can just smile and all of a sudden I'll have joy. We're going to look today at that not always being the case in how we combat that. The first most important thing as we begin to talk about joy today, the first thing that I want you to understand about joy is that joy cannot be based on circumstances. Joy cannot 
be based on circumstances. You will hear people say sometimes joy isn't necessarily related to the circumstances. Sometimes people, some people will, will try and say, well, you can have joy in the midst of your circumstances. I'm going to tell you this. If you base your joy on your circumstances, you will never truly experience joy. It won't happen. The good feeling that you get when things are going well, that's what we call happiness. Remember I asked you if you know the difference between happiness and joy? That good feeling, that ooh, that buddy feeling that you have, that's happiness. That's, that's based on circumstances. When things are going well in my life, I can smile. When, when, when my kids are behaving, I can smile. When things are going well in the game, I can smile. When, 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 when my boss actually treats me well, I can smile and, and, I, can, and I can be happy. That's happiness. But when we try and base our joy on our circumstances, we're only joyful when things are good. Right? How many of you heard of Nehemiah? Anybody heard of of Nehemiah? Okay. Nehemiah is a guy from the Old Testament a few years ago. And Nehemiah was sent by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So the walls of Jerusalem had fallen down. Remember, Jerusalem is the holy city. And the Israelite people, the Jewish people, had kind of lost their way. And so the walls of the city had been destroyed. And Nehemiah is told by God, hey, I want you to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so he goes back there. He takes a leave from where he's working. He goes back. He starts to gather these people. And he gets the people together. And as he gets the people together, Ezra is a prophet. He opens the scripture one day. And Ezra begins to read. And as he reads the scripture, the people begin to cry. And they begin to mourn and they begin to wail because of the, they realize just how bad their heart has become and how, how far away from God their, their ministry actually has become and, and how much, how little they've actually focused on God. And so they begin to cry and wail and mourn. And, and then in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 2, beginning in verse 10, I'm sorry, we see this. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with the feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. So remember, we're, they're in the, in the midst of this huge crying, mourning situation. And, Ezra's, and Nehemiah tells him this. Then he says, those who have nothing prepared, This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. Listen, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you heard that verse before? How many of you knew it was from Nehemiah? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now let me ask you a question. When do you need strength? Do you need strength when things are going well? Not generally, right? Usually if things are going well, you're just kind of, woohoo. Going through life, everything's good. We're just kind of moseying along and everything's good. But when things start to get tough and things start to get bad and, and you start to face things, that's when you need strength, right? That's when people, that's when, that's when your coaches will tell you, you got to dig deep and come up with some strength to get through this. That's when the preacher will tell you the strength, you, you need some strength to get through this. And this comes, Nehemiah says, the strength that we have for this problem comes from the joy of the Lord. So if Nehemiah is going to say the joy of the Lord is our strength, you don't need strength when things are going well. He he has to be telling us that we need joy when things are tough. 
right? It's easy to be happy when things are going well. It's difficult to be joyful when things are going tough. Let's look at another one. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2. Ever, anyone know anything about the Corinthian church? We've talked about them a little bit before. The Corinthian church was a mess. They had all kinds of stuff. They, they, had, they had a hard time actually staying uh, close to the Lord. And so they had infighting. They had, at one point, they had, they had people doing things they weren't supposed to be doing, and they were okay with it and all of that stuff. So, But here in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells them, tells the church in Corinth at the beginning of this, he says, he's talking about the churches in Macedonia, who were like the Philippians and all of them. And he says this, they're being tested by many troubles and they're very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So, what is Paul saying about those churches in Macedonia? Things are going good, so they're being generous. Everything's fantastic. Now, what, what are their struggles? What were their struggles at the church in Macedonia? Anyone know? No? They were being killed. Right? They were being persecuted. People were coming around killing Christians. And so they were afraid of that, and they were hiding, and that's why they were having these churches in homes and but paul says even in the midst of their struggles they have abundant joy extreme joy how is that possible it's not their circumstances right it's based on something else we'll get to that and then one more in case in case i haven't convinced you yet matthew james chapter 1 verse 2 some of you ladies probably know this verse very well from the james study Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. See, joy cannot be based on your circumstances. It's not joy. That's happiness. Right? Everybody understand that? How many of you are in some circumstances right now it's tough to be joyful? A lot of us are, right? Christmas and COVID, what is that going to look like? It's not going to be like Christmases we're used to, right? It's going to probably be some differences. It's so easy for us to look at our circumstances and say, well, I really don't have a reason to be joyful. I really, it's really not all that great in my life right now. Which is true. That's why joy cannot be based on your circumstances. Joy has to be found in the presence of Jesus. Joy only comes from the presence of Jesus. Think about that for a minute. I want you to look at a couple stories. Luke chapter 1 verse 44. Everyone heard of everyone heard of Mary? Mary the mother had Jesus, right? So Mary is told that Jesus is going to be born. You're, you're, you're a virgin. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be, it's going to be God's. It's going to be 
from the Holy Spirit and all this kind of stuff. So as a young teen virgin, the last thing she wants to do is be around a lot of people that are going to be judgmental. Not that people would be judgmental today, but they were judgmental then. And so she's afraid of some, some judgmentalism going on. So she says, you know what? I'm going to go visit my cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was old. She was an older cousin of Mary's. But Mary decides to go visit Elizabeth. What do we know also about Elizabeth? Elizabeth was also pregnant. Good. So Mary has a baby in her womb. The the name of the baby in Mary's womb is Jesus. She goes to see her older cousin, much older cousin, past the age of bearing children cousin. And her past the age of bearing children cousin has a baby in her belly. And that baby's name is John the Baptist, right? Now... Look at this verse. When I heard your greeting, Elizabeth says this to Mary. When I heard you say hi and you were here, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. When I heard you say hi, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Now let's think about that. Let's let's break that down somewhat biologically, okay? Everybody with me? Jesus is in the belly of Mary. Right? What can you see from the belly? Not much. John is in the belly of Elizabeth. What can you see from the belly? Not much. Elizabeth says, when the presence of Jesus showed up, My baby jumped for joy. It had nothing to do with John and Jesus remembering old times together. It wasn't like John was saying, hey, dude, I've been missing you. How you been? It wasn't like, hey, did you see the game the other day? It's from womb to womb. It's from inside one person to inside another person. The presence of Jesus is so powerful that it makes the one baby jump for joy. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that amazing that we serve a God that can do that? And we struggle ourselves because it's hard to be happy. It's it's hard to be joyful. But there's a baby in a womb excited because a baby in another womb is is in, in the house, has shown up. The mere presence of Jesus, even as a baby, caused joy for someone else. Even before he's born. There's a whole other sermon on a political topic you could preach out of that. We're not gonna. But think about that. I mean... That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me, and it's not just amazing to me, it's encouraging to me, because that means that the presence of Jesus is pretty powerful. Do you agree? From womb to womb. So then, let's, let's go to the next one, the shepherds. One of the, one of the most fun stories of, of Christmas, the shepherds. Bunch of, bunch of rough, probably shower once a year, 
out in the wilderness all the time, beating bears and wolves and lions and all that stuff up, protecting their sheep. Bunch of tough guys, right? Out there in the wilderness, just out there watching their sheep one night, <laughs> and an angel shows up. <laughs> and and what, what do these big tough guys do? Oh, no. A bit of fear, right? A little scared. What would you do if an angel showed up? You'd be scared, right? So the angel says, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't. Don't be afraid. It's just me. As a matter of fact, don't be afraid because I've come to bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Not, hey, I got something for you. Hey, this might be helpful. Hey, this is, I got an interesting fact for you. You might be able to, you might be able to win on Jeopardy with. I've come to bring you good news of great joy. And what is the news that the angel came to bring? <laughs> that a baby was born. An angel came to rough shepherds to tell them a baby was born. Now, if it would have been the Mrs. Shepherds, that probably would have made a little more sense, right? Because the Mrs. Shepherds would have been excited that there was a baby being born. They would have been asking about how big big the baby was going to be, and they would have been measuring things and, you know, check it out and guessing and all that kind of stuff, having all their little party games, whatever they do for for baby showers. I don't don't go to too many of them, but they they have their fun, right? But they came to shepherds. They came to rough, to the tough guys to say, hey, there's a baby going to be born. (laughs) Let's just, let's just be real, right? We, we have some men's Bible studies, right? Every man a warrior. There's some men's Bible studies out there. If an angel came to every man a warrior and said, hey, a baby's going to be born. Oh, cool. <laughs> Next. <laughs> right? But if he would show up at a women's Bible study and say, hey, a baby's going to be born. There's nothing wrong with either one of those. But it's interesting that that's what God chose, isn't it? Today, in the town of David, a baby has been born. And his name is Christ the Lord. The presence of Jesus is what brought the joy. I bring you great tidings, glad tidings, great news of great joy. And the news is this, Jesus is here. It's not that the world is getting better. It's not that the plague has ended. It's not that wars are over. It's not that sickness is gone. The good news that the angels said they're bringing is that Jesus has arrived. And all these... Shepherds at the end of this 
singing and all of this. All these shepherds get together like a bunch of little schoolgirls and say, oh, let's go see him. And they go running to the, they go running to the stable <laughs> because they're so excited because Jesus has come. You see, our joy has to be built in the presence of Jesus because Jesus will never leave. Jesus will always be there and Jesus can heal any disease and Jesus can solve any problem and Jesus can repair any marriage and Jesus can forgive any sin. The good news brought to the shepherds was very simple. Jesus is present. The presence of Jesus is what gives us joy. The problem is, we don't spend time in his presence. The problem is, when things start to go bad, we go to Facebook. Or Pinterest, or some other social media. Or we go to our friends and complain about how bad life is. And our friends, because they love us, wrap their arms around us and they tell us, oh, I can't believe you're having to go through all of that. So sorry. And Jesus says, hey, I'm still here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm I'm Jesus. It's so amazing to me that the simple answer of the angels, they break open the sky and this multitude of a heavenly host sang in praise. And the message that they brought was that Jesus had arrived. Nothing fancy, nothing amazing, nothing earth shattering. Just the baby was born and the baby's name was Jesus. You see, when you're really struggling... The best way through the struggle is the simplest. It's Jesus' presence. That's where the joy is. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You can't can't change your circumstances to become more joyful, although we try. You can't change jobs. You can't change partners. You can't change places you live. It's not going to bring joy. But Jesus will. Funny, I never thought about this until I read, was preparing for this sermon in this verse in Matthew chapter 2. You know when the wise men experience joy? When the stars stopped over the place where Jesus was. They've been following this star all the way from home. And when the star gets over top of the place where Jesus is, And stops there. Then the wise men experience joy. Because that's where the presence of Jesus is. (laughs) We're in the presence of Jesus. In this Advent season, we remember the joy that comes from the baby that arrived that night. And and Jesus came and he he actually was 
God on earth in human form. And we celebrate that. But also, another big part of the Advent season is that we're looking forward to when Jesus will come back. And joy is also found in the salvation of Jesus. Because in the salvation of Jesus, we have something to look forward to. Even with the presence of Jesus right now, are there still struggles? Yes. Is Jesus going to sit down beside me if I sit in this seat? Is Jesus going to sit there in the flesh so I can touch him, so I can talk to him, so I can hug him, so he can, so he can pat me on the back and tell me it's going to be okay? Is that going to happen? Not till we get someplace else. And where's that place? That place is heaven, right? That's where we're going. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit and we have his presence with us all of the time. But there's still something to come that's better. How many of you have ever been on vacation? Anybody ever go on vacation? What happens as, vacation, as you plan for a vacation besides all of the packing and plane tickets and car rentals and hotels and all that kind of stuff. What happens inside of you? You get a little excited, don't you? A little bit anxious. You start looking forward to it, right? You start, you start going through pamphlets and figuring out where you want to go, what you want to see, and all that kind of stuff. And, and the closer it gets, the, the more excited you get, right? I'm not the only one, right? That, that's true. You see, what we have in Jesus is a vacation that's never going to end. Because what happens at the end of vacation? Your last day at Disney World. You're like, oh my gosh, i got to go back to work. we got to pack all this up. i got to drive forever. i got to wash all these clothes when I get home. It's going to be miserable. So we look forward to the vacation, we enjoy the vacation, and then there's this huge letdown, right? The vacation we're headed for with Jesus, there's no letdown. It lasts forever. And I think that part of our struggle as human beings is we forget that it never ends. We look forward to heaven because it's going to be a good thing. And we look at it like we do vacation. I can't wait to go on vacation because I can tell my boss I don't have to talk to him for a week. But then the next week I got to go back. Heaven is not that way. Jesus said this to his disciples. John sixteen twenty. I tell you the truth, you're going to weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You're going to weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You'll grieve, but your grief will suddenly, suddenly, everybody say that word, suddenly, your grief will suddenly turn to joy. You you know when that's going to happen. The next time the sky splits, the next time the trumpet sounds, when you see the horses driving that chariot coming down, and everybody is, everybody starts to cut, you start to see bodies come out of the ground to meet Jesus in the air. You're suddenly going to be joyful. Your grief is going to suddenly turn to joy. It's not going to be a gradual process. 
You're not going to have to convince yourself to be joyful. You're going to see Jesus come through the sky and you're going to immediately be joyful. (laughs) Isn't that cool? I mean, how many of you can't wait for that? I'm ready, right? Crack the sky. How about let's crack it today, Jesus? I'm okay. Your grief will suddenly turn to joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to what listen to this from the Hebrew writer. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I learned it in the New International Version. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorned its shame, and then sat down at the right hand. What was Jesus excited about? What was his joy going to be? His joy was going to be sitting beside the throne of his father. You see, what happens to us, church, is we look at the side of the paper that I had you fill out. That side where I had you write down all of the bad things that have happened to you in 2020. Where I had you list them all. There's a reason I wanted you to write down as many as you could. First of all, because they're real. They're true. Those really are bad things. And sometimes well-meaning people will try and get us to feel like those bad things really aren't bad things. (laughs) And then we get confused, right? They really are bad things. They really do hurt. The problem is we focus on those. And we don't focus on what we're supposed to focus on. What brings us joy? The presence of Jesus. What else brings us joy? The coming of Jesus. Right? Listen to this. I had to put this one in the New International Version because I, I just didn't like the New Living Translation. I apologize. But listen to this. Praise, this is Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He did this for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's all coming There's some cool stuff coming. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter says this. You're going to struggle. He says life stinks. Life is bad. Life is struggles. Jesus is here, but you're going to go through some rough patches. You're going to go through some rough times. There's no way around it. But praise be to him who's going to take all of that 
and do away with it one day. In this, greatly rejoice. You see, my joy is not for my circumstances. My joy has to come from my relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a lady named Helen. She's no longer alive, but she lived in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Her last name is Lemel. You, you, you may not have heard of her. You may have heard of her. <clears throat> but Helen was a, was a phenomenal singer and songwriter. She grew up in England and then moved to Wisconsin. And then uh, she actually, for a period of time, was a, a music instructor for the Moody Bible Institute. Those of you who know much about Christian colleges, the Moody Bible Institute's a pretty big place. She was the leader of, she was an instructor, professor of music there. <clears throat> she went back to, uh, she went back to Europe to get some more training. And while she was over there, she met a rich guy and they moved back to America. <clears throat> but something happened to Helen. She became blind. Just all of a sudden, became blind. Her husband, being the stand-up guy that he is, didn't want to have to take care of a blind wife, so he left her, took all of his stuff, and left her destitute. She actually ended her life on government assistance. One time, Helen saw a a tract with uh, some messages on it about Jesus. And there was a phrase in there and she took that phrase and she wrote a song out of that phrase. Before I read the words to that song to you, I want you to take out your paper. And I want you to turn it over. Turn it over onto the blank side. I want you to write two sentences. The first sentence. Jesus is present. In sentence number two, Jesus is coming. And when you begin to struggle... And when you begin to feel sad and when you begin to feel down and and that list that you made throughout the sermon, when, when that list begins to creep into your mind or you want to add something to that list, go ahead and, and add it. But then flip the paper over and look at these two sentences. Because that is the only thing that's going to give you joy. You will not... Gain joy by looking at that first side of your paper. You'll gain sadness. They're real. Admit them. They really are real and they really do hurt. 2020 really has stunk. 
I'm not going to say it hasn't. We're going to try and figure out how to get gifts through a Zoom camera. We're going to, we're going to have to eat, we're going to have to eat Christmas cookies from afar. I'm not sure how that's going to work. Thanksgiving was a mess because we weren't sure whether we should be together and have a meal together or we should just talk on the phone. A lot of people are down. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are sad. And it's probably you at some point. Maybe even now. The beauty of it is Jesus is alive today as he was 2,000 years ago when the shepherds were told, there's a baby here. His name is Jesus. He's just alive as he was on the third day. He's just alive as he's going to be when we get to heaven. And Helen wrote these words. The worship team is going to come up while I'm reading these. And I want you to think about what we've talked about, and I want you to listen to these words. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness, you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Believe him. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. God, we don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your love. (laughs) You're so awesome. You gave it to us anyway. God, our world right now seems to stink really bad. There really isn't much that we feel like we can hold on to. That we, we can say, this is good in my life. This is going well. This, this is fantastic. People are, people are losing their jobs. People are losing their health. People are losing their lives. 
And then a preacher gets up and says, but have joy. God, give us, give us as much of your spirit as you can. Draw us into your presence. And give us a vision of your future. God, give us joy. Help us to fix our eyes on you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.